You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The TikTok ban has been delayed. Microsoft takes down infrastructure used by a Chinese cyber espionage group. Huawei's CFO returns to court in Vancouver. The UK shows some of its cyber offensive hand. DDoS in Hungary, malware in Texas. The strange and sad case of eBay and a newsletter. Rick Howard shares lessons learned from his CSO Perspectives podcast. Our guest is Thomas Etheridge from CrowdStrike on mitigating the risk of public cloud key compromises. And our evil wants to recruit more criminal affiliates. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, September 28th, 2020. In what the Wall Street Journal calls a short-term victory, the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia yesterday granted a nationwide preliminary injunction that stopped the scheduled U.S. ban on TikTok transactions. The Verge, which has a useful brief history of this particular phase of the dispute, quotes TikTok as arguing that the government's ban, which would have taken effect last night at midnight, was arbitrary and capricious. Both sides will get together to review the dispute tomorrow. Fortune notes that the judge left the November deadline for TikTok sale in place, for now at least. Official Beijing is unhappy with the prospect of a forced spin-off of TikTok Global, the proposed name for the new company, whatever its ownership turns out to be. The Wall Street Journal describes several reasons for this. Chinese government-controlled media have characterized the sale as dirty and unfair, which seems the sort of reaction any major power would have when it felt itself strong-armed by a competitor. But the government seems particularly troubled by the aspects of the deal that would permit Oracle to inspect TikTok's source code, ostensibly because of the troubling precedent that would set for protection of Chinese intellectual property against foreign exposure. Sources tell the Journal that at least some ByteDance executives have been upbraided by the government for failure to undertake proper consultation before negotiating the spinoff. 
Microsoft has taken down 18 Azure Active Directory accounts that were being used by Gadolinium, also known as APT40, Leviathan, or Kryptonite Panda, a Chinese government threat actor that's most active against the maritime and healthcare sectors. Gadolinium's recent campaign has used a great deal of spear phishing. The attacks proceeded on three phases. First, the payload is distributed in a COVID-19-themed spear phishing campaign, Opening the message infects the target system with PowerShell-based malware. Second, the attackers use this malware to install one of the 18 Azure Active Directory applications. Third, an Azure Active Directory is used to configure the compromised endpoint so that it can exfiltrate data to a Microsoft OneDrive under Gadolinium's control. So, it's an information-stealing campaign, a case of cyber espionage. The BBC says that today's the day Huawei's CFO, Meng Wangzhou, returns to a Vancouver court as she continues to fight extradition from Canada to the United States. The U.S. charges she faces involve violations of sanctions against Iran. The Guardian reports that in an unusual public avowal, the head of the U.K.'s Strategic Command, General Sir Patrick Sanders, says Prime Minister Johnson has directed him to ensure that the UK remains a leading full-spectrum cyber power, and that includes deploying significant offensive capability. General Sanders' public statements may foreshadow the five-year integrated defense review expected to be complete in November. Magyar Telecom said that Hungary's banking and telecom sector suffered a brief but sharp disruption last Thursday, according to Reuters. Magyar Telecom said the distributed denial of service was mounted by Russian, Chinese, and Vietnamese hackers, but that the company was able to thwart the attack quickly. A qualification, the servers used were in Russia, China, and Vietnam, but that in itself is insufficient for attribution. On Saturday, Tyler Technologies warned that two of its customers had reported suspicious logons to their systems using Tyler credentials. The Dallas Morning News says the company was hit by an unspecified ransomware strain. The very strange story of the then-eBay employees who took unusually active measures against a mom-and-pop newsletter the company's then-leaders found displeasing is winding its way through the courts. The New York Times has a long and thorough account of what happened. That account is striking in its portrayal of an aggressive corporate culture, medically locked by threat from above and fear from below from anything that might have served to moderate it. The company's global security and resiliency team was the section alleged to be responsible for an extended campaign of focused and unremitting harassment of the proprietors of e-commerce bites, an online publication that served an audience of sellers, of people who sell things on Amazon, Etsy, and other sites, including, of course, eBay. An example of the immoderate guidance the company's communications chief used with the corporate enforcers of global security and resiliency is as follows, quote, I genuinely believe these people are acting out of malice and anything we can do to solve it must be explored. He signed that particular message. The Times says, whatever, period, it, period, takes, period. The CEO was equally direct with communications like, I couldn't care less what she says, take her down. 
Neither the former CEO nor the former communications director have been charged in the case, and both have denied ordering the harassment the Massachusetts couple who run e-commerce bites suffered. But the communications quoted in the Times story hardly seem to have even the ambiguity of King Henry II's Will no one rid me of this turbulent priest? The offhand remark that got St. Thomas a Becket martyred by overzealous barons. And finally, bleeping computer reports that our evil, the Sodinokibi ransomware gang, has put its Bitcoin where its virtual mouth is, posting a million dollars in altcoin to a Russophone hacking forum to recruit new affiliates. The hoods say, quote, For your peace of mind and confidence, we have made a deposit of one million U.S. dollars. End quote. Apparently, the fund, to which potential affiliates may contribute, can be used to buy illicit goods and services. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it's always a pleasure to welcome back to the show Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief security officer, also our chief analyst. Uh, But more importantly than any of that, he is the host of the CSO Perspectives podcast, which is part of CyberWire Pro. Rick, great to have you back. Thank you, sir. Uh, So you are just wrapping up season two of CSO Perspectives. Uh, Let's take stock here for a minute. First of all, uh, two seasons. How, How have things evolved since you started this endeavor? Yeah, uh, so we started the same back in April, season one, episode one, and we had this vague idea about creating a kind of a new podcast designed from the perspective of the cybersecurity C-suite. You know, not a technical show and not a news show, but a discussion of topics pitched at the executive level. Hmm. So have you kept with that? I mean, is the show 
primarily targeting executives? Is it only for them? No, not at all. The idea is that if you can hear what executives are worried about, you know, and then across the entire cybersecurity landscape, then even the newbies, the technicians and the analysts, the graybeards, the junior management, and even other C-suite executives, we can all learn together about how we think about different problems. Well, let's talk about season two specifically. What are some of the big takeaways that you learned uh, this round? So we covered uh, five tactics that many InfoSec programs are running today. Uh, We talked about security operations centers. We talked about incident management, uh, data loss protection and prevention programs, um, identity management systems, and finally, uh, red team, blue team operations. And I will tell you, my big takeaway from this season is that your mileage may vary on any one of those things, right? It's, Hmm. It's kind of up to you to decide which one to tackle first. You know, the entire premise of the podcast, if we go back to day one, was we're trying to find out the, you know, first principle thinking in cybersecurity. And what we've come up with is you're trying to reduce the probability of material impact to your organization. So the question you're trying to answer in season two is any of those tactical functions, are they really, really necessary? And what we've learned is, you know, maybe not for everybody. It uh, depends on your organization, depends on politics, uh, pick and choose, but pick the one thing that will have the greatest impact in your organization. Is there any frustration there for you that the, the <laughs> answer is is kind of fuzzy? Yeah, really. I really want it to be black and white. Okay, <laughs> so and it just isn't. Um, every organization is different. You know, we've introduced this hash table idea where we bring in these executives in from all over the you know, the world, and they tell us how they're doing it. And it turns out that everybody is different and the priorities are different depending on your situation, depending on your, uh, the way you've deployed your, uh, your stuff and depending on your culture. So yeah, I'm a little frustrated by that, but I'm willing to learn a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, season three, when, when does season three kick off? Any, any previews there? Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks off and prepare all that. The, the next episodes uh, for Season 3 start on 19 October. Uh, so if anybody has any ideas about what they want us to cover, they can hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I'd be glad to entertain all of that. All right. Well, Rick Howard, host of CSO Perspectives, a part of CyberWire Pro. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Thomas Etheridge. He is the Senior Vice President of Services at CrowdStrike. Thomas, it's always great to have you back. Um, we wanted to touch today on some issues uh, with uh, the cloud, 
specifically with some things going on with public cloud keys and, and the security that, uh, that needs to be monitored there. What do you have to share with us today? Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here again. So what we're seeing is as, as organizations move workloads and, and some of their critical infrastructure to the cloud, understanding uh, that cloud security has its own set of challenges uh, and that organizations need to be focused on some of the, the basic blocking and tackling in terms of securing cloud infrastructure. We have observed over the last few years an increasing number of sophisticated uh, operations where many financially motivated adversaries are using cloud application programming interfaces, API keys, to harvest information for ransom and for sale. The adversaries are also looking uh, for other keys and passwords to facilitate further access, enabling them to kind of rinse and repeat the cycle. So gaining access and securing uh, API keys for cloud infrastructure is absolutely essential. And so what are your recommendations here? I mean, what are the best practices? There are several things. Uh, the first really is avoiding the use of static API keys anywhere in your cloud infrastructure. We strongly encourage uh, using ephemeral credentials for automated cloud activity. We want to make sure that uh, organizations are enforcing the usage of those credentials only from authorized IP address spaces. And we really, really encourage multi-factor authentication for all user-originated uh, cloud activity. That's number one. Number two, it's managing cloud accounts and permissions. Inventorying accounts is really, really critical. So many organizations don't even understand how many accounts exist or who has responsibility for those accounts. So really understanding what accounts are uh, active in your environment is very, very important. Leveraging uh, cloud account factory models for standardization of accounts, reviewing permissions on legacy accounts and accounts that may be ready for decommissioning is also important. And then looking at which accounts are not being monitored by your existing security tool set, also important. So good account hygiene, very, very uh, critical. Hmm. The next Next thing is enabling logging and alerting. Uh, I know that's a cost for many organizations, but enabling detailed logging, including API and data object access logging, to the maximum extent possible uh, that you can afford, really important, especially if you need to do investigations down the road. And then investigating and tuning uh, automated alerting where possible to make sure you're getting quick and uh, prescriptive uh, alerting on things that may be changing in your environment. And then lastly, looking at firewall rules uh, on the cloud as well, uh, looking at automated and manual firewall rule sets to avoid global permitting uh, is also important. Where do you suppose we find ourselves today in terms of organizations getting a handle on this? Are we, are we getting better? I think most organizations are starting to understand that by moving to cloud infrastructure and moving workloads to cloud, that those uh, workloads require the same type of security as on-premise infrastructure. There is no shortage of blog posts and technical papers and presentations that exist in the market that talk about many of the things I just mentioned, uh, making sure you're not using static keys, making sure you're inventorying accounts and you don't have... Uh, accounts that should be decommissioned that still exist in active status in your environment and that the permissions are pro properly configured. A lot of the basic blocking and tackling 
um, needs to be done. And I think there's plenty of material out there that is filtering into organizations that are either considering moving cloud to cloud infrastructure or, or have already started to move and need to uplift their overall security uh, programs to consider these factors. All right. Good information as always. Thomas Etheridge, thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. Great to be here. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. We work hard so you don't have to. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment called Security Ha! I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest cybersecurity news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. And check out the Recorded Future podcast, which I also host. The subject there is threat intelligence, and every week we talk to interesting people about timely cybersecurity topics. That's at recordedfuture.com slash podcast. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Guru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.